matter how bad it may seem, that's the nature of something happening. That it has a potential benefit. And it's your job to find out how to turn it into a benefit as a spiritual practitioner. Check one, two, one, two. Is this thing working? You're listening to Rabbi Ariel Schollklapper, the wisdom and tools you need to thrive. Today I want to talk about Purim. I want to talk about Purim and what I think is a way that we can think about Purim as in a way that can help advance our spiritual practice. And I think there's a lot to this holiday, but it's hard to to know what the lesson is to take out of it. So maybe you only learned about Purim in religious school or all you know about it is the story that is told and that there's hamantashen we eat these cookies and uh, we get dressed up and maybe some of us get drunk or I don't know it's a kind of a wild holiday but there's more to it and I think that it's interesting that to explore it from this this point of view because what it seems like from the outside is like a it's a story about telling it's a, a holiday about telling a story really a horror story of uh, that they gone that went right for us. It's Esther, who's the Jewish queen, who fends off an evil plot of Haman, this evil egomaniac, who wants to destroy the Jewish people. And we celebrate the upright character of Esther's courage, of Mordechai, another one of the characters in this story of his principles. We give thanks to the divine for giving them strength and for helping us to save ourselves in some way because if you know about the story, there's God doesn't seem to appear explicitly in this story. It's an interesting thing, except for maybe an allusion to it and calling the the Hamelech, the, the word uh the king appears in, in capital, capitalized letters. So perhaps that's God showing up in this story. But you probably uh, know that there's just like, it's kind of a go crazy holiday. It's like the Jewish uh, Halloween, I think. <laughs> we, we think of it as the Jewish Halloween, I think. And, and there's this concept that the rabbis say that, and I think this is why people get dressed up and go crazy, which is that, we're supposed to get to the point during this holiday that we can't discern good from evil. So I don't know what that means exactly. We'll talk more about that. But people get dressed up, make noise, and have a, have a good time. So what is Purim actually? I think that's, this is what I've been wondering for myself because I, 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 it's too hard for me to just stomach that that's all we're trying to do there. So I'll tell you just, I think, the actual practices of Purim. And this is a little bit of an informative time to hear about Purim. Uh, 
Purim is Ke Purim. It's like uh, Kippurim. Yom Kippur is Yom Ke Purim. It's interesting that the rabbis want to juxtapose Purim and Yom Kippur, which is this kind of total opposite days. Yom Kippur is very solemn or very calm or very, very reverent. And Purim, we're getting dressed up, we're going wild. And it's interesting that there's going to be some overlap here. I'm not going to talk too much about that, but I think it's interesting. So the actual practices of Purim are, number one, hear the story of how this evil person tried to murder all of the Jews. And you're supposed to listen to that story. We're talking about the, the scroll, scroll of Esther, the scroll of Esther. Megillat Esther. We're supposed to hear that twice. Once at night and once in the morning. Once in the daytime. We're supposed to give charity to the poor. So we're supposed to go out and give charity enough for two people to have a meal each. Some kind of like a, a good enough donation that they can eat well. We're supposed to be friendly to community members. This is, uh, this is uh, giving them some foods or some gifts. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to, uh, not just Matanot Levionim, we're also doing uh, these care packages for community members. We're also supposed to have a nice meal. We're supposed to eat a good, nice meal the day of Purim, something that kind of gladdens your heart, they say. So for the rabbis, that might have meant a meal with some meat in it or some wine, but something that actually is kind of a special meal that day. And then you're supposed to donate this to the community, machatzita shekel, they call it. And, and the last thing is get to the point of ad de loyada, to the point where you can't tell the difference between good and evil. And the rabbis say, till you can't tell the difference between Mordechai, who's the good guy in the story, and Haman, who's the not good guy in the story. That's, those are our five practices. So I'll just repeat it for, for the sake of repetition and to recap. Number one, hear the story. Number two, give charity to the poor. Number three, be friendly to community members by giving them these care packages. Number four, eat a nice meal. Number five, donate some small amount to your community. Make a contribution to your community. And number six, get to the point of ad de lo yada, to the point of not being able to discern the difference between good and evil. So I'm gonna say that this, this um, there's something about this practice that is a little troubling so I'll tell you two instances that are, that are that are sticking out in my mind. So this this is like a story about a calamity, right? It's a story about some evil thing that is happening in the world that happened in the world to us as a as a people to the Jewish people, and we're supposed to do something about it differently, and we we choose to party and do all these other things. In 2015. I was in Jerusalem, I was living in Jerusalem, and I went to go uh, 
visit with one of the rabbis in town, Rav Asher Weiss, who's, uh, who's really, um, may he live a long and healthy life. He's a, he's a, um, a modern day a miracle of a person, let's put it that way. And that particular week, there were some uh, terrorist stabbings in Jerusalem. And there had been some, some all kinds of incidents like stabbings, people coming into synagogues, you know, car rammings, things like that, horrible things. And, the, and he gave a talk about how you're, we should now be carrying, you know, we should be concealed carrying in the synagogue, we should carry a cell phone, make sure we have the ability to communicate with uh, police and things like that. It was, it's an interesting talk to come from a black hatter. But the end of his talk that I found very interesting and, and troubled me was that he said, and in times like this, in times of trouble like this, we must introspect and figure out how we can be better. Fast forward to just in the last uh, few weeks. I'm listening to Rav Asher again, and now we have this Ukraine-Russia invasion. I know I'm dating this talk by now, by talking about something, current events. But he said, we should pray for them. We should, uh, we should think about them in our prayers and the people who are suffering over there. And at the end of his talk again, he said, we must introspect and think about how we can be better. Because whenever there are times of trouble, our job is to figure out how we can be better. What's our responsibility in this? And what troubles me about that is that I don't like the idea that in the time of struggle and a time of chaos and a time uh, when somebody who's being oppressed, they have to stop and think about how they're responsible for the, the, the terrible things that are happening to them. And it's, I think it's a kind of a victim blaming. It worries me. I think it's wrong to say, oh, you're abused, so what part did you play in it? And what were you wearing? It's kind of like rubs me the wrong way to, to think about it that way. And then I'm listening to Norman Fisher, who is my Zen teacher, and he says, the principle that he wants me to start working with, and it's not just me, it's, a, it's part of a book that, he, that I'm reading of his. He said, drive all blames into one. When things don't go your way, he says, drive all blames into one. And he tells a Zen story. So in Zen, there's a formal eating ritual. It's called orikashi, I think it's called. And then in the Zen monasteries, that's the way that the monks eat all their meals. In robes, they sit at meditation cushions on raised platforms with formal serving and chanting, and they eat in a dignified, prescribed way. They even wash out the bowls with water and wipe and put them away as part of a ritual. And when he was a monastic, he ate that way every day. At first, it's a, I mean, it's a weird practice, but eventually it becomes beautiful, he says. So 
there's once in ancient China, there's a story about an abbot, a Zen abbot, who was eating in this oriaki style with the monks in the meditation hall, and he discovered there was a snake's head in his soup. It's not snake soup, okay? <laughs> it's the Zen monastery, and they're vegetarians. It was definitely a mistake. Uh, probably, I mean, I don't know, maybe the farmer monk out in the field didn't notice that he'd cut off the head of a snake while he was cutting the greens, or, and the snake head found its way into the soup pot because the soup cook monk also didn't notice it. Things happen, right? Even when you're practicing mindfulness and doing organic farming, trying not to kill anything, but the mistake is a mistake, and the mistake ended up in this abbot's bowl, that's a mistake compounded, multiple levels, right? So the abbot called the Tenzo, who is the head cook. And he said, look, and he held up the snake's head. And the Tenzo, without saying a word, snatched the snake head and swallowed it. He didn't blame the farmer. He didn't blame the soup cook. He didn't make excuses. He didn't feel guilty or ashamed. He ate the blame. He ate the blame. That's how Norman tells the story. He says that in these moments, when things are going not the way you want them to, when things are not as great as you'd like, there's a tendency either to want to blame someone else, which he's saying, don't do that. But he is saying, drive all blames into one, which is kind of like taking it on and taking an empowered approach for when things are not going your way. But then he says, blaming others and blaming yourself are actually not different when you, when you examine them. And he says, look, how is it possible for you to even blame yourself? Because the only way to do that is to stand next to yourself, wagging your finger at yourself, just the way that you would wag your finger at someone else you're blaming for something. It requires, blaming yourself requires you somehow stand outside of yourself and scrutinize yourself, removing yourself from yourself so as to make yourself into somebody else that you could blame. <laughs> it's sort of like a funny concept. He says it's absurd. When you examine it, it that's exactly what happens. And there's no way to be self-blaming or self-incriminating without self-externalizing. Self-judging is self-externalizing. But the question is, who is it that's standing over there wagging his or her finger at whom? So it doesn't matter who you blame, self or another, it's more or less the same thing. The important point of all of this, driving blame to one, is that you accept what has happened has actually happened. And without hesitation, you eat the snakehead.
or toss it away. <laughs> you accept the reality, you accept the responsibility, and you just figure out what to do next. So I think about that tension, I think about the way that Rav Asher on one hand talks about taking our responsibility in the moment of difficulty, and I think about how Norman is saying on the other hand, saying, take, drive it all to the one. And I think I was wrong to feel like that interpretation is in any way a victim blame. Because I think actually it's more of an embrace of the serenity prayer of God give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I think it's a Zen and it's Jewish and it's a spiritual playbook for navigating difficulty. Transform bad circumstances into the path. But deeper than that, it's drive all blames into one. It's saying we're all the same. There is no you without me and me without you. It's an absurd thing to think that is possible. And he talks about this. He's, he, he says, you know, it's like there is no person who stands on their own in this world. And we've talked about this concept before. There is no such thing. None of us, I don't exist without you. You don't exist without me. There's no, like, I, you, none of us exist without our parents having birthed us. None of us exist without having been fed and taken, been taken care of and diapered and really, like, when we're totally helpless in those first few months and years of life, people had to care for us. And even now, we didn't build the roads that we drive on. We don't build the, every house and we don't sew every piece of clothing and we don't plant all of the foods that we eat and none, didn't, we didn't build the technology, we didn't develop the language. There's so much more that needs to exist in order for us to exist without the earth and the plants and the wildlife and the planet. We don't exist. We, there is no us without all of those other things. None of us are an entity onto our own. But I think this adeloyada, this get to the point of not knowing how to distinguish between the good and the bad guy in the story. It's not about getting hammered. It's not about getting drunk. It's about getting to the point where we recognize our interconnectedness. It's the words of Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It's, that's the central thesis of what we're talking about. Saying it's all one thing. If you listen close enough, if you notice, we're all one thing. It's all one thing. Don't try to separate. And it's really saying when things are not going so well, when bad things are happening, which they will, they will. That's how life works. Number one, tell the story. Yes, 
Acknowledge what's happening. Read the Megillah. Remind yourself of how it went. But then, go give Matanot Le'Avionim. Go be generous to people who you can give to. Be, go be generous to the needy. Go give your Mishloach Manot. Go be kind to your neighbors. This is in your power, right? It feels good to do that. It's building community. Eat a joyous meal. Take joy in how fortunate you are. Don't sit there and dwell upon how hard the story was and how traumatic and all these other things. Eat something good, gladden your heart with a meal. Eat something that's going to make you happy. Donate to the community. Give your machatzit shekel. Make your small contribution. And get to the point of ad deloyada. Drive all blame into one. Remember, there's nobody to blame. We're all one. There's no Haman, there's no Mordechai. Eat the blame, it'll make you stronger. And, you know, I think there's a, there is a, a sense that we as kind of, some of us are perfectionists, some of us are just, I think it's just a natural tendency as human beings. We can get to the point where we want to uh, blame ourselves or blame someone else. And it's not talking about that. It's not. It's it's saying that even if you can, there is somebody who is at fault. Like, it maybe it's the farmer or the soup cook. Maybe it's their fault, but you can't really blame them because it's not going to be that helpful, right? Something happened, and since it did, there's nothing else to be done but to make use of it. And that's true with everything that happens. I think that's the spiritual lesson of this holiday, is to say everything happens, and as disastrous as it may be, no matter whose fault is it, it is, there is a potential benefit. No matter how bad it may seem, that's the nature of something happening, that it has a potential benefit. And it's your job to find out how to turn it into a benefit as a spiritual practitioner it's not about guilt or shame it's not self-flagellation there's nobody to blame not yourself not others something happened there's nothing left to do let's make use of it we'll find the potential benefit and start to ask the question of what will you do with it what can you learn from it how can you make use of this for your path here you are this is it it's not another way it's this way so be grateful to everyone and everything be willing to acknowledge whatever happens as an opportunity and when we accept complete responsibility and receive the moment with joy you feel grateful you're a happy person and that maximizes your chances for well-being and for sharing happiness with other people. It's because we have agency. We have the ability to respond however we would like to, no matter what's going on around us. So we get to choose. 
We'll do good. We'll use the circumstances to consider how will we move forward into the next moment. And the Jewish response to that is, yes, we're going to tell the story. Then we're going to go give to the poor. We're going to remind ourselves how good our lives are, how, how wealthy we are by giving to another person. Make their life better today. It's like uh, the rabbis say, if you have only enough money to give to the poor or to eat a good meal for yourself, or I'm sorry, to give matanot, mishloch manot to your neighbors, they say give it to the poor because that's as if you're acting like God. You're giving something to somebody who couldn't do provide for themselves. And we give to the, our neighbors. We go and spread the joy. We eat a good meal. We donate to the community. And we get to the point where we remember there's, that blaming is not the point here. That's our Jewish practice. I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful holiday. Especially when seen through these two lenses. To stay updated on new episodes, subscribe on iTunes or follow on Facebook.com slash Rabbi Shulk. That's Rabbi Shulk, R-A-B-B-I-S-H-O-L-K. Hey, so if you're really serious about this, come on down to ravariel.com. That's www.ravariel.com. Take our free trial do the self-learn path or try group coaching or even come apply to work with me one-on-one and you'll give yourself the accountability and the support and the step-by-step path that you need to feel calmer more mindful and happier with your life so come on down www.ravariel.com see you there